Welcome to the Soybean Pod, brought to you by South Dakota soybean farmers and their checkoff. I'm Tom Stever, discussing the incredible soybean, the people who grow it, and why that crop is so important. Biodiesel has been a game changer in strengthening soybean demand. About half the feedstock for biodiesel is soybean oil. Until soybean checkoff dollars helped with research and promotion to get the renewable fuel off the ground, soybean oil was a drag on the market. That scenario has since reversed. Scott Fenwick is the technical director for Clean Fuels Alliance America, formerly the National Biodiesel Board. He says more people would use biodiesel if they had information and assurances about its use. But usage has grown since it was first blended with petroleum diesel fuel. We're about at a 5% inclusion rate on average. But if you look at particular areas, and I'll just mention California, where there are programs in place such as the low carbon fuel standard, you'll find our inclusion rate for biodiesel and renewable diesel is over 30%. And 20% in a lot of locations is people are using B20 in any and all diesel fueled applications. So generally, Scott, for those who have it available and are not using it, what's the reason for that? Well, we're aware of, of some quality issues that the industry had early on. And I'm talking 20, nearly 20 years ago or longer. We recognize those, we acknowledge those, and we've tracked our progress. And so for the last five years, we've conducted an annual survey independently through the National Renewable Energy Lab and the Department of Energy to look at biodiesel quality. And for the last five years, I would stack our quality up against any fuel out there in the marketplace. And in saying so, I mean, we, we routinely monitor and track ourselves against diesel fuel quality across the U.S., really, and around the world. I think that biodiesel produced today is head and shoulders, not only above where we used to be, but even against diesel fuel. We've got a better quality. We're more closely monitored, and the oversight on biodiesel and renewable diesel is so much tighter than even diesel fuel that we're really excited and it's really showing dividends in the support and approval levels from the equipment manufacturers that we see out there. That's interesting, Scott. How did the industry overcome those quality issues? Well, I I would say that early on, there were programs in place such as the RFS and the Blender's tax credit that incentivized just the production of biodiesel. And there were people in the marketplace at the time that didn't fully understand how the fuels distribution system here in the U.S. works. And so, unfortunately, whatever came out the back end of their production facility is what got sold and blended. And at the time, even a B2 blend, there were thoughts, at least by a few, that said, well, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's only 2%. How bad could it be? Well, the industry quickly saw that, hey, if 2% of a problem is still going to be a problem for that fuel. And a lot of farmers in the Midwest had problems with filter plugging issues, but we were very quick to respond. We didn't sit on our hands 
And I, I think the industry has taken notice that we were more than willing and able to make changes to our specifications, tighten our specifications. We added additional properties as were needed as we began to see and recognize problems with biodiesel across the U.S. What's really interesting is the first biodiesel specification at ASTM was published back in 2001. And so for over 20 years, we've had a, a spec for biodiesel. In that 21 years, we've had roughly 24 or 25 revisions. So we're not ones to sit and rest on our laurels. And we're going to continue to tighten and improve our quality moving forward so that more and more equipment manufacturers, either in the railroad industry, marine industry, on and off-road applications, power generation, they can feel comfortable with the quality they get as well as we move towards higher blends, including B100. For those who are interested in switching, what can you give us for tips on switching to biodiesel? Yeah, the first step, I think, is, is just asking. Ask your fuel suppliers, do they have it available, you know, and can they deliver it to you? As a user, I caution everybody that's a fuel user. If you've been buying fuel for the last 20 or 30 years, fuel today, and I want to caution everybody, it's fuel. It's not just biodiesel, but fuel today is different than it was 20 years ago. Even petroleum diesel fuel is processed differently. The increased steps to remove sulfur, we went from high sulfur fuels to low sulfur. Now we have ultra low sulfur fuels. All change the dynamics and the storage and handling procedures necessary for today's fuels. And so fuels need to be kept clean and dry. And so if you are switching fuel compositions or fuel suppliers, I would encourage users, check your tanks, make sure they're clean and dry. There's no excessive sediments, water deposits on the bottom of your tank. If there are, have those cleaned. There's often microbial growth that builds up over time, sludge, have that removed. And then from that standpoint, once your tank and your storage facility is clean and dry, there really is no modifications or improvements necessary to begin using biodiesel. What about handling biodiesel? What's the difference between petroleum diesel and biodiesel in its handling? They are different fuels. Certainly, they have different characteristics. They each have their benefits and advantages. And some of the blends that we're seeing out there in the marketplace are, are taking advantage of, of both sides, of biodiesel, renewable diesel, and petroleum fuels. There are some misperceptions out there that biodiesel can only be stored and handled for, say, six months. That's not true. Our latest research, again, with Department of Energy, National Renewable Energy Lab, says that so long as you have a quality oversight program where you're monitoring water content, stability, acid number, you can store biodiesel and biodiesel blends for as long as you can store your other petroleum-based fuels. We've seen storage out there in the marketplace for two, three, five years. Again, so long as it's kept clean and dry, you're not allowing water to accumulate in the tanks or microbial growth. And so we think that there are ways and management techniques, again, that's needed for today's fuels, and they can just be applied to the same biodiesel blends that you want to use. Give us some of the benefits of using biodiesel over petroleum diesel, Scott. 
Yeah, that's one of the great things about biodiesel is there are so many benefits. And so right off the bat, as the sulfur has been removed from petroleum fuels, it made those fuels a little less able to hold water in suspension. And so biodiesel provides a little bit more water solubility, which prevents some water accumulation in your tank. It also prevents corrosion of your tank that you might otherwise experience now with petroleum. Removing the sulfur also meant that high pressure common rail engines have an issue with fuel lubricity. Biodiesel improves that. So as little as 1% biodiesel added to today's petroleum diesel fuel improves fuel lubricity, which should mean less wear and tear on the engine, maybe less maintenance. Then not to mention better combustion from some of the properties, the higher cetane number, better combustion means better emissions. So we reduced nearly all criteria pollutants. There are some concerns about NOx, but today's hardware on today's engines takes care of the nitrogen oxide emissions that may be slightly increased with biodiesel. But even better, because of those improved emissions, we see improved air quality and health. Some of our latest studies here over the last couple of years are showing that in highly populated areas, switching to biodiesel can improve lung health, reduce asthma counts, lung and cancers and such, lost work days, premature death. And so the benefits are, are not only for the engine, but also for the users. Well, let's discuss that a little bit further. We've talked about biodiesel use among farmers and operators of heavy trucks. What about diesel-powered cars, just motorists who use diesel power? Well, I would include myself in that list. I have two vehicles. One is a diesel-powered car. One is a diesel-powered truck that I operate B20 all year long. I've had no issues, no filter plugging issues. Again, it, it comes back to trusting your fuel supplier, recognizing that they're doing the right thing. Because oftentimes as a consumer, most people just don't understand everything that goes into getting that fuel to you and in your vehicle at the pump. Consumers never see the fuel. It's produced at a refinery, transported in pipelines and vessels and rail cars and trucks and it's dropped below ground at the local retail station and then a consumer pulls up and they stick that nozzle in their tank and they just squeeze the handle and there is an expectation rightly so that the fuel they put in their vehicle is going to be fit for purpose and that's a lot of what we do here at clean fuels is work with those equipment manufacturers those engine manufacturers consumers and fleets to ensure that the biodiesel blends they want to use is fit for purpose and is going to provide that consumer with the expectations they need. Maybe more people know this than I'm aware, but Scott, can you talk a little bit about the history of the diesel engine itself and how Rudolph Diesel actually intended for the diesel engine, his invention, to run on vegetable oils. That's very true. And so it was the diesel engine, which got its name, as you mentioned, from Rudolph Diesel. It's otherwise known as a compression ignition engine. Was first introduced at the World's Fair in Paris in the early 1900s. 
at that World's Fair, it ran on peanut oil, raw peanut oil. Now, we certainly wouldn't recommend that for users of diesel engines today. The engine itself, not only have the fuels changed, but the engine hardware and technology has changed drastically as well over the last hundred plus years. But it was, it, it was his thought, his desire to create an engine that farmers specifically would be able to use in their equipment, use on their farm, not only to power their tractors, but provide them power that they could basically use a homegrown fuel. And that's one of the benefits we tout with biodiesel. We don't recommend veg oil. Raw vegetable oil today can cause problems with the fuel injection systems, with the emissions after treatment devices that are all required today, and the high pressure common rail engines. But by using biodiesel, which is a fairly simple chemical reaction with raw vegetable oils and fats that can be used, we basically reduce the viscosity. So we thin that fuel out ever so slightly so that there's not a problem with today's fuel injectors, not a problem with combustion. And it's, as I mentioned before, it provides so many benefits today that we see no reason why people shouldn't be using blends at least up to B20 all across the country in any compression ignition or diesel engine that they might have. Now, also, there was in the past some issues with using biodiesel in cold weather. How have those issues been addressed? Yeah, that's a great point. Biodiesel, pure biodiesel, what we would call B100, depending upon the feedstock used, the type of fat or oil, does typically gel at higher temperatures than petroleum diesel fuel. That may be anywhere from 25 degrees Fahrenheit up to 35 or 40, depending upon the feedstock. But once you blend it with that petroleum-based diesel fuel, it mitigates that cold weather performance operability issues. There are multiple ways, though, if you're still concerned. If I'm going to be using a B20 blend in North Dakota or upper Minnesota in the winter, it's routinely colder than the temperatures I've mentioned. But diesel fuel has its own challenges as well. And the good thing is that whether or not you're using straight petroleum fuel or a biodiesel blend, those same mitigation techniques can be used. And so you don't have to worry about analyzing every gallon of fuel. So that could be heated storage tanks to store the fuel and distribute the fuel. We often blend with number one diesel fuel in really cold weather. And so that can still be done with biodiesel blends to lower what's called the cloud point or that cold weather operability. Or there's also fuel additives that improve the cold weather performance. And those work equally as well in today's biodiesel blends. I want to go back to encouraging farmers to use biodiesel and the fact that a lot of the feedstock of biodiesel production is soybean oil. So it would seem to me that farmers are helping themselves by using biodiesel. Very much so. To produce biodiesel, just about any vegetable oil or animal fat can be used, but you're right. Soybean oil accounts for nearly 50% of our feedstock use across the country today. And it does. That means that there is a significant contribution to today's soybean farmers in their bottom line by producing soybeans. 
Now, we've been growing soybeans for decades, long before there was biodiesel. And we don't grow soybeans just for that oil to use and produce renewable fuels. 80% of the soybeans that are grown and then crushed and processed are protein. And that protein is what's used to feed not only the animal agriculture here across the U.S., but also we as a, a global community as well. And so we're not growing soybeans just for more salad dressing. We're not growing more hogs just for their fat. Those are byproducts of animal ag and today's agricultural processes that we're able to provide an additional revenue source for today's farmers so that just like with petroleum refiners that have found a way to use every drop of a barrel of oil, we want to use every aspect of agriculture today to not just feed the world, but also to power it as well. As we always suggest, if you do have an issue, you do have questions, please don't hesitate to reach out to Clean Fuels Alliance America. We're always happy to discuss, answer questions. And if you haven't used biodiesel yet or are thinking about it, today's biodiesel isn't what it was 10 or 15 years ago. Just like cell phone technology has changed and nobody wants to go back 15 years, 20 years to using an old phone, we'd encourage you to try some of today's technology in the fuels you use as well. Scott Fenwick is the technical director at Clean Fuels Alliance America. The Soybean Pod is brought to you by South Dakota Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and at sdsoybean.org. Hear the South Dakota Soybean Network on the air weekly on several South Dakota radio stations. Thank you for listening. I'm Tom Stever.